Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? It'd be so awesome if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving Christian conversations. It's not a sermon, not a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to start conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Today, I want you to hear a conversation I had with two of my friends, Antoine Brown and Haven Miller, both Christian men and African-American men. We talked about the racial divide in the church and the importance of healing that divide. You may not agree with everything said in this conversation, and that's okay. Sometimes the goal of a conversation isn't to agree or disagree, but simply to hear another perspective so you can begin to see the world through someone else's eyes. Let's start with just asking why y'all think this doesn't happen more often. Why why do we find it hard to have conversations about race, especially, I don't know the right way to ask that, maybe interracially having these conversations, you know, uh, why is that challenging, y'all think? Well, I'll go ahead and say something. Uh, just in my experience, I've experienced people like in the workplace, for example, they don't like to talk about the subject because it's really hard. But and in uh, the churches of Christ or just in uh, churches in general, I think that people just avoid talking about the subject. And I think that's why it doesn't come up more often. And I think it's really good to have a conversation like this. But if we continue to um, not talk about it, uh, we won't be able to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I would say also that um, if you have the conversation, it may reveal some stuff about myself that I'm not really ready to deal with quite yet. I, I may find out that I have some hangups or some preconceived ideas that really I, I don't want to confront. Um, and secondly, especially as it pertains to church, uh, we don't want to have these conversations because we're all supposed to love each other. That's right. We're not supposed to have these biases. We're not supposed to have these uh, prejudices. But the, the, the simple fact is that some of us do, and if we never talk about it, then we can never overcome it. So I think part of it is I don't want to, see myself in that light and because that's not how the church does things if you will yeah yeah that it does you know and this brings up an interesting question that somebody asked on facebook was what kind of questions do y'all think that we can ask ourselves to root out some of those things that we don't know are there because that like you said antoine that when we have these kind of conversations it often brings out something about ourselves and whether or not we have the honesty and the humility to deal with that um, is, you know, part of the problem, I guess. But what, what kind of questions do you think that we could even just do some self-reflection on uh, to ask ourselves in order to kind of deal with, do I, do I struggle with these things or is there, because all of it, you know, there's, there's a heart issue behind it. We're not, we're not just talking mm-hmm. about words or we're not just talking about semantics or whatever. We're talking about the heart issue behind certain things. What, what types of things can we ask ourselves to kind of 
maybe root out whether or not we have uh, a heart issue that needs to be dealt with? Sure. Um, and, and, and I'm glad you said that because whenever I talk about the, the issue of race in the church, I, I always tell people it's a, it's a heart issue. And, and, and I have this belief that most of us, if we're going to have problems making it into heaven, it's going to be because of heart issues mm-hmm. uh, and not so much of what we call the, the, the big things, if you will. Uh, but one of the questions that I, I would say that a person could ask themselves is, which I think would really get to the heart of the matter, um, um, especially for um, uh, our, our white brethren uh, looking at our, our, our black brethren, the question is, any day of the week, would you trade your life to live the life of an African-American? And if you have a hard time saying yes, then I think you need to ask yourself, why would I have that problem? So it probably spurs on more questions, but I think if you can start on that, that any day of the week, would I want to change my position to live the life of an African-American? Yeah. And then I think you would have to you know, a starting point. And I wonder if we even have enough information for most, you know, I'll, I'll just speak as, as, as the white guy in the room, you know, I, 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 I wonder if, if I have enough information to answer that question, you know, do I, do I have the right perception of what it's like to be uh, an African-American you know, I, and that's that's an interesting thing, you know, and we talk about and I don't want to get too far in the weeds with things like, uh, you know, white privilege and that kind of stuff. But but I think that that's yeah. a that's an interesting, interesting thing to think about is do I have even any perception of what it's like uh, to to be able to, you know, for instance, wear a hoodie or um, or get pulled over by a police officer. And I have different feelings than an African-American man would um, mm-hmm. in, in those types of situations. And and I can't I can't necessarily put myself in someone else's shoes because I don't know what it feels like to be in their shoes uh, and vice versa sure. is true as well. You know, so it, it's just interesting to think about. Um, I think that most white Christians probably feel like they have a good perception of what it's like to be an African-American. And I don't know that that's true. Wow. Mm. That's interesting. I've, I've, I've never, but that, that, that's, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, I think if you talk to African-Americans or, you know, a white brethren talking to an African-American brethren, I think if they listen to them, and feel that what they're saying is true, I think they can have a better perception because mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll talk to people and they don't think it's as bad as what I am trying to say. Like, you know, as far as getting sure. pulled over by a police a police officer or uh, something else happening, and they just don't think it's as bad as it is. You know, they think, you know, you hear the term today, fake news, and a lot of people fall into the trap that they really believe that it is fake news mm-hmm. and it's not as bad as we are portraying it. But if it's happened to you personally, you can go ahead and tell them, Hey, it's not as bad. And if they believe what you're saying, then I think they will have a better perception of uh, what's really happening to you as an African-American. 
Yeah, I think that giving giving the other person the benefit of the doubt is so huge because like you said, it's really easy to be dismissive of somebody else's feelings or their perception and say, well, that's all just in your head, man. If you, you if you just didn't think like that, then then you wouldn't have that experience. That's easy for somebody to say that has never had that experience. Or, and there's so many things that this applies to, not just race, right, uh, right. but, but right. giving people the benefit of the doubt and saying, you know what, I've never been in that situation in your shoes. And so I have no idea what that feels like, but I'm going to assume that you're telling me the truth because I love you and I care about you. Haven and I went to um, a a congregation in Fort Worth and they had this uh, race discussion, which was fantastic. I can't think West side church of Christ. I think is where they had that. And they, they, they had, Brethren, one Hispanic brother, a couple African American brothers, and a, and a white brother talked about their perceptions and experiences. and And one guy said that um, there was an African American brother and a white brother that went to lunch, and and at the beginning they had a conversation like that. I don't know if you remember this conversation. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And he said uh, he said that people look at me funny and treat me different than they treat you. And the white brother, you know, dismissed it and said, that's just not true. That's just in your head. But he said, the more I spent time with him and the more I saw the world through his eyes, the more I, I learned that there really was a difference. And so it's, it's just that learning to listen to each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt. And, and until we have these types of conversations, we can't, we can't perceive the world through somebody else's eyes. And I think that that's a lot of the problem is that we can't have that empathy because we haven't had these conversations. Yeah. And, and, and further, I think there's a lot of um, dismissiveness, if you will, on both sides, you know, I, I, you know, from my perspective, I may not be willing to give you a chance because you you just never understand. So Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like having a conversation with you. Uh, And, and the converse is, um, you know, I, I've never been in your situation, so I don't understand your situation. And like you said, it's just, it's just a figment of your imagination. It's not that bad. It's 2018 and not 1968 or 1958. So it can't be that bad. Um, you know, even when we look at the, the broader context of, um, you know, race in America and we, and we look at the, the whole issue of, um, the, the NFL players. Uh, one of the, the, the sentiments that we hear is you can't have it that bad because you're a millionaire or you make X amount of dollars. Well, whether my money is green or not, they, they, they never see that. They, they never see that, you know, I, I go to church, but what they do see is that I'm an African-American male uh, in the world. And so I think a lot of people think because you make a certain amount of money or you live in a certain place or you go to this, this certain church that you don't have to deal with uh, those same social ills, and, and, and I think it just uh, becomes dismissive because you're not really listening to the conversation. Everybody's trying to be right, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and, th- and that brings up an interesting point about um, things that happen in the wider social world um, and how we perceive that and how we talk about it and Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all the social media that, you know, sort of adds another layer to it that we didn't have in the past. Um, but, th- but that's an interesting thing. And, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like to me, from my perspective, that in the African, African American community, that there is more of a collective mindset than there is in the white community, that the white community tends to be very individualistic um, and the black community tends to be more 
um, you know, supportive of each other um, and and to see to see the individual as a part of a, a larger whole, a collect a collective of people. Um, and and I think that that may be something that white brethren don't recognize and appreciate is that um, we tend to perceive the world differently. There's these different different cultures and different things. And so, um, you know, w- when there is some sort of a, a something that happens in social media or on the news or whatever, whether it be the the national anthem thing and all of the all of that that went around or the Black Lives Matter or all these things that that happen in the world, um, that. I think that the cultural differences and the different mindset play into how we perceive that. Um, and, and I think that a lot of white brethren just don't, can't even really comprehend what that's like to see the world, um, without that, that same individualistic versus collectivist mindset. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You're absolutely correct, and 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 I'll try to give you an example. Um, when um, uh, last week the, the, the guy uh, did the mass shooting, or, or I'll give you one that's closer to home for me. When 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 Dylan Roof came here and, and shot up uh, the church, uh, there was no um, uh, sense of ownership by the collective white community. But every time something bad happens and it involves a person of color, the black community always feels like it's a bad reflection on us as a, as a race of people. Um, whereas, you know, the thing that happened with Dylan Roof, you know, the white community is like, that's Dylan, that, that don't have nothing to do with the rest of us. Whereas for us, the opposite is true. When something bad happens, we take it personally as an indictment uh, on the entire race, and that's because of just how we were, we were raised and we were brought up. Because if you go back even as far as slavery, we were always a community that had to depend on ourselves for survival. And and so now we, we are in that you know here we are in 2018, and still we have this sense of survival that depends on the collective, uh, the collective race. Yeah, that that is true. That's so true because. I mean, I even see that, you know, on a, a much smaller scale, like at work, if a black person does something wrong and they uh, get in trouble for it, all the other blacks uh, will, we we will either through conversation or just coming together and we'll talk and say, hey, we we need to make sure that we watch ourselves from here on out because we feel that the other people that work there are going to are going to put us in a, the same category as that person that did something wrong. But on the other hand, if it was a white person that did something, it'll be individualistic as uh, Wes was saying earlier. And they'll say, Hey, that was that person that did it. But as a black person, if a black person does something wrong, we'll uh, feel that it's, it's on us as well. And we, and we all need to do better. So I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. And that's, that is a fundamental cultural difference. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that I think is so important to realize and kind of dig out that, that there is nothing different between the three of us genetically or whatever. I mean, the, the amount of 
melanin in our skin or whatever. I mean, sure. that, that doesn't make us different. But the fact that because of because of slavery, I mean, let's get right down to it. I mean, it's because of slavery and then the Jim Crow that laws that came from that and the segregation that came from that in our country, we have had two cultures evolve side by side that perceive and think about and deal with the world differently. And if we can't appreciate that, if we to me, if we just dismiss that and say, well, hey, you know, it's, there's, there's no different, you know, and, and, and this really brings up the idea of being colorblind, I guess. But to me, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, not about, it's not about skin color per se, but it is the culture that, that people have grown up in and how they perceive the world because we just – we don't understand that. Um, as, as white brothers, yeah. I, we, just, we just don't – you know, like when Obama was elected, I mean, there was there was a whole conversation that revolved around that, that I just saw yeah. people speaking past each other, right. that that Absolutely. white Christians couldn't understand why it was such a big deal. Why? Why is this so monumental? You know, they all they saw were the yeah. policies um, and and yeah. it was just perceived different by different groups in the church. Yeah. And and, and, and and if I could speak to that, um, you know, you, you, the, the, the question that was asked, uh, how was uh, my 4th of July? Now, there, there are mixed feelings in our community about the 4th of July because America declared freedom in 1776. The first slaves came to America in 1619. When they declared freedom in 1776, our community was not free. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't really have freedom until nearly 80 years later in, in 1865. And so while America was celebrating its independence, there were a segment of people that were not free, that could not say, you know, man, you know, this is our independence day. And and and, and I thought, I don't, and, and so when we, uh, and when I say we, when I say the Af- when the African American community speaks to that, people think that we are un-American or unpatriotic or uh, we don't have love for a country. No, that's not true. We we love America just like everybody else. We're just trying to help you understand that when you say America was free in 1776, our people were not free in 1776. Right. And so we have to be able to, again, it goes to what we said earlier, you have to be able to see things from a different perspective and, and realize that um, everything is not the same for each person because, you know, of, of, of just how it happened uh, in our country, if you will. Right. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You just have to not be afraid to talk about it and just have a, you know, a good fun conversation about it yeah you know and, and this is this brings up an interesting point that I'll probably get pushed back on because I'm I'm now aware of the fact that that I get pushed back on it which tells me that there's a that there's a problem I don't mean pushback from you guys I mean pushback from the the larger community oh, okay. um, but but I have been absolutely shocked by the lack of willingness to own the not own the past because, I mean, you know, I heard somebody say one time that it's not my fault 
but it is my problem. You know, I mean, I, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't own slaves. I didn't participate in segregation. I mean, none of that is, is mine. Uh, but it, it is interesting that we can't seem to grapple with the history of our country, the history of our people on both sides and what was mm-hmm. done to one segment of America. Um, I said, I said from the pulpit on Sunday that one of my favorite Americans was Frederick Douglass. Um, I'm reading Frederick Douglass's, uh, autobiography right now uh the longer one the, the, oh man it should be required reading Very I, yes I, I mean and it's it's tremendous and but but to give people that perspective of the hypocrisy of being a a nation at that time that you know celebrated being a free people and liberty and justice for all well not all it it wasn't all sure. it, there was there was half Absolutely. of the population of the south was not free they were treated like animals and and to think that there there are not lasting results from that that have to be dealt with um, both on a you know a, a level of of policy and government, but but more on an individual level. And then when I see people that are for some reason still defending, or maybe not defending, but justifying and and trying to downplay uh, things, you know, people that say, well, you know, there was slavery in the Bible, so it wasn't that bad, or you know, or you know, there were wow. some slaveholders yeah. that were actually pretty decent people, and you know. I just can't. I mean, I, I just, I about lose my mind every time I hear that if people had mm-hmm. any perspective and then, and then I'll bring up and I'll say, well, have you ever read Frederick Douglass? Have you ever read the things that he experienced in what Maryland? I mean, he wasn't even in Virginia or Alabama or, you know, Georgia, he wasn't in the deep right. South and he, he experienced horrible things and they'll, 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 they will write that off and they'll say, wow, that was just one person's perspective. And, and as wow. long as we're dismissive with these types of things, I, I just, I get so frustrated. And I think, how do we go forward if we can't even deal with something that happened 150 years ago? Well, and, 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 and to that, um, you, you know, as you said, people say, hey, I, I didn't have anything to do with that. You know, we, I don't own slaves. Slavery is over. And, and you're right. And, and, and you kind of mentioned it, and, and we don't really want to dig into it, but when, when we talk about white privilege, yes, you didn't have slaves, you don't have slaves, but you benefit from the system of slavery and the laws and the rules that were made because of it. Uh, and, and secondarily, when we, when we move past slavery, to bring this back around to the church, when we move past slavery and we move into the Jim Crow era, because a lot of, uh, you know, I'm hearing now, you know, why do we have this white church, black church? By and large, the churches of Christ did not stand up against Jim Crow. It was, that was the law of the land, and we're supposed to obey the law of the land. So, you know, we've got to have white churches and black churches. And so, while you may not have participated in it per se, you, you did reap some uh, for lack of a better term, reap some benefits because of it. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? That's absolutely right. And that's something that, you know, it, it's so funny when things like the 4th of July roll around is we absolutely 
understand on one level that we stand on the shoulders of our forefathers, that that we mm-hmm. wouldn't be where we are now if it wasn't for the people who came before us. And we're okay with that. But then when you start saying, yeah, but so much of this country is, was built on the backs of slaves, we say, oh, no, 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 we don't stand on their backs. You know, we don't stand on their shoulders. And it's like, no, no, but you do. You know, we we are yeah. a product of where we came from. And, and we have to deal with that. And we have to say, I I had the breaks that I had, you know, and I and I, I mean, and it and it's not always breaks, but we could at least put it in terms of the world is the way that it is. And society is the way that it is. America is the way that it is, in part because in our past is slavery and Jim Crow. And if people aren't willing, especially like you said, Antoine, the 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 segregation of the churches, I've heard I've heard white Christians say, well, churches are segregated because African Americans would rather worship together than they would worship with us. <laughs> and, and 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 to be honest, I believe that. I thought that that might sure. be why it is. But but it's like sure. if if you just if you just go back in our history, this is within the lifetime of people that are still alive. And that yes. gives me the chills. But but that not just didn't or not just went along with Jim Crow and, and segregation, but actively fought against desegregation. Things that were said in our universities, uh, things that were said from our pulpits, it absolutely makes my stomach turn. And you think about some of the preachers like Marshall Keeble and the things that that he had to put up with and that he just silently for for forbeared for that he was willing to forbear because of yeah. because of his spirit and his grace and his mercy but the way that white brothers treated him and the fact that they were okay with him preaching to and baptizing african americans but they didn't want them in their churches i mean that's absolutely unchristian and the way that things exist now is still a result of at least in part of what happened then a- 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 absolutely, um, and 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 I think we're even coming back full circle now. Um, if, if we can be honest on 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 this podcast, a lot of the African American community and and, and African American Christians are not happy with the current administration. And, and what, what happens is we hear some of the things that are being said, and then we hear on television these people, these persons that are, who are claiming to be evangelicals, who are claiming to serve the Lord, and they are saying, yes, we agree with that. And we see the difference in treatment from this current setting to the past eight years, and we're like, wait a minute, what changed? other than the person and the color of the skin in the office. Right. Yeah. And it makes it really hard when you see comments on Facebook or you even overhear people talking about, sorry about that. Yeah. You see comments on Facebook and you, and you also hear other people talking about some of the things that are being said. They agree with it and they like the comments and they may even put a comment up themselves and then they turn right back around and come to church on Sunday morning or, or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. go to worship as if they haven't done anything wrong. And that, that is just so mm-hmm. disheartening to, uh, see that. And it, it just makes it really hard to, uh, 
look at a brethren in a and look at brethren in a good light when they do things like that. And that and that's what I think is so interesting, not interesting, but disturbing, I guess, is that is that and, and this is the conversation Haven and I've had several yeah. times, is that, you know, when it comes to politics, a lot of times people white brethren don't necessarily see um, the racial undertones that are a part of, of what they're saying and doing. And so, you know, what, what one person might look at and say, well, I I can't believe you would say that, or I can't believe you would like that or share that or whatever. Um, And, and the person who liked it or shared it or said it has absolutely no idea, no clue that that would be perceived in a racially insensitive way. Yeah. 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 And, and, you, and, you know, honestly, I think it's because we just don't spend enough time with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's true. What, what, what often bothers me is how many times have we said, you know, we're one body, we're one church, we're the family of God, but we never spend any time with each other. We never spend any time with each other in our worship services. We never spend any time with each other outside of our worship services. But uh, McDermott is going to meet on Sunday. Isaiah Drive is going to meet on Sunday. And never will the twain meet because you're comfortable over there. We're comfortable over here. But we're one body and we're all going to make it to heaven. I I cannot fathom how we can even imagine such a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and, and this is something that I try to preach often, but I, I probably don't even do it enough, but our, our unity and by unity, especially our, our cultural, you know, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multinational unity is a testimony to the, the, the deity and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and that Absolutely. there is probably no theme in the new Testament that is more clear than that. The fact that Paul Absolutely. spent so much time and blood and ink to bring together Jews and Gentiles ought to yes. say to us that we are missing the boat. If we think that, if we think that that because we worship right or because we have the right whatever, but we, we mm-hmm. don't want to worship with somebody because of the country they come from or the language they speak or the color of their skin or whatever, or just because it's too hard. It and, and that I think and it is hard. It is hard when sure. people come from two different cultures to to figure out how to how to be brethren, how to be family. But it was hard for Jews and Gentiles to figure out how as a Jew, how, how do you eat with somebody that eats pork? I mean, how do you, how do you do that? You know, how do you have fellowship with somebody that comes from this background or thinks this is okay, or does these kinds of things? It's hard, but Paul said, this is absolutely central to the gospel message. It's not a sub point. It is, it is the point. In Jesus point, point, yeah. That's it. Right. That's it. And, and even to extend beyond that, when we go out and talk to people about Christ, we should be talking to people not that just look, they don't have to just look like us. Mm-hmm. It can be mm-hmm. a white mm-hmm. brethren or a white person or a black person or Indian. You know, we live in a culture here in uh, Plano, and Plano is like, it's made up of all different types of people. It's a lot of uh, people in the Indian culture or Asian culture. They're blacks, they're whites, and they're Hispanics as well. And we shouldn't be looking at people that just look like us. We have to go out and talk to everybody, 
That's what the word is for everyone. And we need to make sure we do that. So, and, and, and I kind of touched on this a second ago, but, but I'd love to get y'all's perspective on the idea of being colorblind. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think that's something that comes up a lot. And, yeah. and, and I think that, that, that a lot of people think that that's the goal. In fact, it, it, it sounded like a few decades ago, a couple decades ago, that that was supposed to be the goal. The goal was not to even notice. <laughs> and it's so funny, the people that will say that, well, I don't even notice that you're black or I don't even notice that you're right. whatever. And it's like, then why did you just say that? Because yeah, you obviously yeah, do, does. you know? Uh, so, so, but, but yeah. let's, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, do you think that that, that should be the goal? Do you think that, how, how do we deal with that idea or differences of opinion on whether or not people should be colorblind as Christians? Yeah, and I'm glad you because I, I meant to touch on that. Okay. I, I don't think that should be the goal. And, and, and it, it disturbs me when people say that. I understand that it's coming from a good place, but they don't understand the implications of what they're saying. Because if you're colorblind, then you don't see that I'm, um, uh, I'm African American or, or Black American. Um, and when you don't see me as, the black, as a Black American, you don't see my culture that comes with me. You don't see um, my heritage that comes with me. You don't see uh, all the things that come with me being a black American that makes me proud to be a black American. And so while I understand you're trying to say you don't want to judge me by the color of my skin, saying that you're colorblind means that you're blind to the rest of who I am also. Yeah. You know, I, I think about, and I think people use as a justification when Paul said in Galatians, he said that there's, there's neither Jew nor Greek slave, nor free male, nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus, you know, and, and they, they say, well, see there, Paul is promoting a colorblindness, but, but they wouldn't apply that to men and women. I mean, obviously men are still right. men and women are still women. Right. Um, but, but yeah. in that conversation, they want to apply that to, to races. But what Paul is really saying is that both Jew and Gentile are just as much heirs of the promises that God made to Abraham, that, that there, is, sure. there is equality in, in what they are inheriting in Jesus. And he's not saying that someone ceases to be a Jew or a Greek. They, they do continue right. to be that. And, and that, because that's a part of our humanity, where we come from. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's another point to the differences in culture is that our white Americans don't tend to be conscious of the fact that their whiteness is a part of their culture. Whereas mm -hmm. African-Americans tend to be conscious of the fact that their skin color is a part of their culture. And it, both are true, mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, for us, it's more subconscious. And for y'all, it's more of a conscious fact that, like you said, you're proud to be a black American. I mean, I don't know any white Americans and, and we might look at them funny if they yeah. said, I'm proud to be a white American, right. you know, because that, that, well, has the, that, that reminds us of white supremacy and those mm -hmm. kind of things. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I was going to say, you know, for us to say, man, I'm, a proud, to, I'm proud to be a black American and, and then for, you know, our, our counterpart or our white brothers to say, man, I'm proud to be a white American. We're like, oh, no, <laughs> what does that mean? Because there's so many implications that have come with proud to be a white American. Whereas for a long time, being black was seen as something wrong. I mean, you know, uh, this is just an example. Uh, but an angel food cake is white, 
and the devil food kid is black. Mm. And so when people hear black, you're thinking, wait a minute, black is black is bad. And so for us, we had to be able to take pride in the fact of of our blackness, whereas the other uh, term, you know, probably a white American was used as a way to degrade every other uh, ethnicity. So you know, it, it's it's a it's a it's a tightrope. Uh, but I think if, if taken in context, we may be able to, to, to deal with it at some point. But I just think it's a, it's a sensitive thing at, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, and, and that reminds me of uh, that. That reminds me of the Black Lives Matter. And I don't want to get too far into that. But mm-hmm. but, you know, that was another thing that I felt like was being misperceived, misunderstood sure. by the white community uh, because. To me, it it made perfect sense that what people were saying was our lives matter too, and we feel like mm-hmm. we feel like they're not valued. We feel like we're valued less than than somebody with a different skin color, and 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 for some reason, the way the white community perceived that was that we matter more, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's sure. what anybody was saying. And so then there was this no. kind of counter counter argument was all lives matter. And that was, mm-hmm. never, that was never the argument. I mean, nobody that no. was saying black lives matter, nobody was saying our lives matter more than your lives matter or our lives right. matter and your lives don't matter at all. Nobody was saying that everybody agrees that all lives matter. But what people were saying was we feel like we're being not valued. We feel like we're dying at a, at a higher rate. And I mean, we could talk about the statistics and all those things, but, but the fact that we didn't understand that the fact that that was falling on deaf ears and that the answer was well all lives matter or these lives matter those like you know it's like we're missing we're we're missing the point and i and i think that that goes back to that that point that if we don't realize what our country has had to overcome to be where we are now and the way that we've had to counter what is ingrained in our system, ingrained in our culture, and that is the history of slavery and the history of segregation, and that we had to overcome those obstacles and are still trying to overcome those obstacles. And when we dismiss those who are trying to overcome those obstacles and try to counter those things, um, and we just dismiss it and say, well, you need to stop looking at race, or you need to stop perceiving race, or you need to stop... it's really counterproductive. It doesn't intend to be it. Like you said, it comes from a good place, but it really is counterproductive. I think to dismiss those things. Yeah. I think as Christians, we have, I'll go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, no, please go go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think as Christians, we have to look at, you know, all things, you know, you have divorce in the church, you have alcoholism in the church and you have so many other Mm -hmm. things. And uh, racism is, you know, it's there. And I think as Christians, we have to look at, all of these things. And uh, we just can't dismiss that because uh, you don't think it didn't happen or you think it's not as bad as it seems. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think a lot of frustration comes in because we see the hypocrisy in the message, you know, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and, and how the counter was all lives matters. And then we are watching this, um, this, this ordeal that's happening at our border, and those are Hispanic lives, right. and nobody, nobody is saying, "Oh, we want to help them." But we thought that the conversation was all lives matter, right, right. But, but, but. <laughs> so if that's if, if, if your retort is all lives matter, then you need to live up to the fact that all lives matter. 
Yeah, that's uh, And not just use it as a knee-jerk response to hearing us say Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that is so true. So true. Yeah. I, and I think that that applies to so many issues and so many things that come up is just dealing with dealing with dealing with it from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. whatever that that issue is, dealing with the facts of it. But we we get in this you use the phrase knee jerk. And I mean, and that's exactly right. I mean, we we get in this knee jerk reaction where everything that comes up, we, we counter it and and Maybe maybe it's a good point that's being countered, but but when it's only used as a counter, you know, then it just comes off as dismissive, and and that's I think what yeah. we've got to get away from. You know, I'm as anti-abortion as as anybody could possibly be, but the fact that every mm-hmm. time somebody brings up an issue and we say, well, I'm not going to listen to you because you voted for somebody that's pro-abortion or whatever. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. fact that it, that we, we use that to dismiss people's feelings and and to dismiss their perspective and to say, I'm not going to listen to you because I disagree with you on this other point. We might be mm-hmm. we might be missing a valuable perspective that's being presented to us right there on that issue. And then, Hey, let's deal with the abortion issue too, but let's deal with that in a separate conversation. You're just, you're just sidetracking, sidetracking things. We've got to deal with one issue at a time and deal with each one through the lens of, of the gospel. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes it's not that we're being dismissive as much as we're using it as a distraction technique, because I really don't want to discuss that. Um, because a lot of what I'm, I'm starting to see in the churches, we're starting to equate my politics with my doctrine or, or my politics with my theology. And, and I don't know how we have caused the two to be confused. Because a lot of times my, my, my theology or my doctrine may not um, comport with my uh, politics. Uh, but I cannot put my politics over my theology or over my love for God or my love for my Christian family. And I think sometimes we, we choose sides, not based on the Word of God, but based on the words of the Constitution. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the older I get, the more I... I I get closer and closer to David Lipscomb's view on on government, but uh, you know, but but I, I mean, I'm, I'm just about to the point where it's like I'm 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 not part of this kingdom. I'm part of a, a heavenly kingdom, but that's a whole yeah, other, that's a absolutely. whole other issue. But but that I think that sure. I think that we we often are unaware of the fact that our politics keep our churches segregated, and that mm-hmm. uh, the more and more we conflate. Our, our our heavenly kingdom with our, our earthly kingdom, the more and more we conflate our politics and the gospel, the, the more and more uh, lines are drawn in the sand and we have a very, very difficult time reaching over that because we're just creating more cultural barriers. Yeah, absolutely. That's, absolutely. that's right. That's and, 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 and I bring up politics as, as it relates to races because there's this notion that uh, – the majority, and, and, and it may very well be true, but the majority of African Americans vote Democrat, um, and, and 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 for a large percentage, that's that's true. But but can I tell you that most African Americans are are very conservative in, in their political leanings. We we, we we don't agree with abortion. We don't um, agree at all on the stuff that that, that, that people think. We're, we're, we don't believe in homosexual marriage. We're very concerned in, in, in our thought process as it relates to those issues. Right. But by the same token, 
there was a flip in the 60s of, of people that professed to be Democrats to the Republican Party. And, and not to make this about that, but I'm, I'm just trying to make the correlation. Uh, and, and so they started to form policies that were harmful to the African-American community. And, and like I said, the, the church, the, the church of Christ, sh- while it should have been boisterous and, and said, yeah, we know what the law is, but we've got to abide by the law of Almighty God because that kingdom has a far more um, eternal punishment than if we have to sit in jail for a couple of weeks because we don't obey the law of the land. And, but I, I don't think we really took the opportunity to use our voice um, uh, during that time. And, and mind you, the Church of Christ was one of the fastest growing um, um, churches uh, of that era. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that, that's something that, that constantly sticks out to me in Scripture is the importance of not just speaking up when wrong is being done, but especially speaking up when wrong is being done to someone else, that it's one thing to speak up for yourself, (laughs) but it's a more biblical godly thing to do to speak up for someone else. And the fact that, that so many failed to do that and, and not everybody failed to do that. I mean, there were white preachers that got fired for, for stepping over a line that, that should never have been a line in the church. Um, but, sure. but they, and so there were those that did stand up, but, but so many didn't and, and failed to speak up and, and they towed the line of the status quo. And, and it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And, and, and so we've got to take that to today and say, are my eyes open? Am I willing to speak up for other people? Um, and, and am I willing to see the world through their through their eyes? So much of this comes down to how we started this conversation and in having these conversations so that we can begin to perceive things from their perspective. But we're so quick to just dismiss somebody. And, and instead of sitting down and saying, well, let's let's talk about politics and let's talk about politics from a perspective of African-American versus white, you know. And so, you know, why is it that you vote this way or what do you think on this issue or what do you think on this issue or what do you think about this broader thing you know but we don't we just dismiss people and say well if you voted that way i don't i don't i want to have anything to do with you you know and it's it's heartbreaking yeah. shouldn't happen in the church well and Wes, i have to ask this question for um you know our, our, our white family members if, if they they stood up uh, for for the their, their black family members is, is there a concern of how will they be further received or perceived by people of their own race if they stepped out and and and, and, and um, stood up for for African Americans? I, I think that I think that what ends up happening is that they the white brothers don't perceive it that way. We we perceive it as well. Now you're meddling in politics. You know, you need to you need to get out of politics and just preach the gospel. It's not a matter of well, you're sticking up for African Americans. It's a matter of you're meddling in politics. And but that that line of reasoning goes all the way back, probably to slavery, but at least to Jim Crow days, where where white preachers were told, you know, well, don't concern yourself with social issues. That's that's the social gospel. You need to stick to preaching the gospel. And we've we've disconnected. Because Christianity isn't a religion of, well, you just retreat to the spiritual place in your mind and kind of disconnect to the, the world. You know, Christianity is a, is a religion of God becoming flesh 
and taking up yes. actual time and space and matter in this real world. And it's about living out our faith in this real world and helping and feeding and clothing. I mean, James says, this is religion. Care for the widows and orphans and keep yourself unstained from the world. You know, so, I mean, that's our religion is about feeding and clothing people. It's about real world issues. It's about flesh and blood. And so, but, but for some reason we we've been able to separate those and compartmentalize those and say, well, that's not an issue that pertains to, to the church and to Jesus. That's just a politics issue, or that's just a social issue, or that's just a whatever you need to focus on preaching the gospel. And we've disconnected those two. And so I think that that's the pushback. And, and, and again, the people that provide that pushback don't see themselves as being at all racially motivated or racist no. or, or racially insensitive or anything along those lines. They just see themselves as, uh, you know, concerned about spiritual matters. And it's like, well, but, but these things are, <laughs> these are spiritual matters. When That's somebody, right. when, somebody's be, when injustice is happening, that is a spiritual matter. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think part of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you said it's about, God coming in the flesh and, 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 and dealing with all of these things that, that, that the man had to deal with in the flesh. Could it also be partly of what we think that that, that flesh looks like that he put on? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I would venture to say that the majority of people would make people Christ in the flesh, but he doesn't quite look like me. And the people that he was helping didn't look like me. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... It's interesting. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. But that, that, no, fir- that first question you asked in the very beginning of, you know, questions we can root out our heart issues. And, and you talked about would I want to be, you know, an African-American for a day or whatever. You know, I yeah. another question that I thought of along those lines, and this brings that back to that the forefront is how do you perceive biblical characters, you know, whether that's Jesus yeah. or the people that he helped or anybody else. And if you're not OK with them being drawn as as darker skin there there's an issue there i was at a congregation where not this one i'm at now but i was at a congregation where they put biblical pictures up on the wall of the children's hall and somebody got in trouble because they were too dark skinned oh wow because and and of course they wouldn't say it uh, you know they wouldn't try to come off as overtly racist but they would say like wow that i don't think that's accurate it's like well (laughs) wait a second but that's not that's not the issue i mean you don't know any better than anybody else does whether they had green skin or purple skin or white skin or whatever but the fact that you're uncomfortable with them being portrayed as having darker skin which by the way is probably fairly accurate you know the fact that you're uncomfortable with that says something and and the fact that in fact i wrote a blog post one time the, the title was why why do all the people in in bible story books bible children's bible story books have white skin that to me that's a problem i went to a, a play yeah. a, a noah play one time and all eight people were white and i asked the teenagers after we left i said do, do y'all see a problem with that the the fact that we mm-hmm. we teach that all human beings literally came from right. these eight human beings and they're all white. Or we teach that yeah. all people literally came from Adam and Eve and they're both white. I, I see a huge <laughs> problem with that because if I had darker skin and even if I didn't have darker skin, I should be asking, well, wait a second. How is that possible? How, right, how did right. that happen? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, 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 and I think, um, 
a lot of you know again we have to, that that's one of those hard conversations and and, and and I'm not at all surprised that somebody would have a problem with um, you know because the only time that we think of uh, black or darker skinned people in the Bible is uh, I was going to say him but apparently not according to the play that you saw but the um, the the eunuchs in the Bible yeah mm-hmm. be, be, because we only see that one Ethiopian eunuch. And then every other unit must have been um, must have been black, and that's the only time that we really think of, of, of darker-skinned people in the Bible. But I think if we can have a different thought process of the people uh, of that time, the people that helped the Lord and that the Lord helped, I think we can, you know, be different in our thought process in the church. Yeah, and that's that's something we've got to be incredibly intentional about about. Uh, this should be a place where all people, not only not only people of color, not only people that that have darker skin can see people that look like them in our Bible story books, but that white people can see people that don't look like them in our Bible story books and in our illustrations and other things like that. We, we've got to be we've got to be intentional about reconciling the nations to God. That's that's our job. That's got to be Absolutely. what we're all Amen. about. And that's if we're right. not if we're that's not right. even doing that in our children's Bible story books, there's a huge problem. Well, yeah, those kids grow up uh, just believing that all their lives. I had a kid in a Bible class one time and I knew it would happen eventually. Mm -hmm. And I was glad he said something, but he said, well, that story, and he was an African-American kid. And he said, that story can't be about me because I couldn't have come from white people. And I thought, mm. I thought wow. I'm oh, so wow. glad you asked that. Let's let's dive into that and how and how these pictures wow. are not are not an accurate portrayal. But you know, we and and had he not spoken up, that might have been a thought that was in his head for the rest of his life. And mm-hmm. he dismissed the Bible as fables because yes, sir. Yeah. I, that that can't work. Right. It it can work that lighter skinned people come from darker skinned people. That can work, but it can't work the other way around. Right. Just genetically, that can't work. <laughs> so if you're uncomfortable with that, sorry, that's yeah. reality. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. And 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 I think a lot of that. And, and I'm glad that that you know you were able to recognize that and you dealt with that in that space. Because if we don't see ourselves, and when I say we, I mean African American, if we don't see ourselves uh, as representative, if you will, in the Bible, then we tend to go to the thought of Christianity as a white man's religion. Yeah. Uh, that Christianity was only developed so that it could continue to enslave Africans. When, you know, historically we know that that's not true. Uh, but if we don't deal with that, then that's the, the thought process that we perpetuate um, uh, in our young people. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if, the, and, and maybe y'all could speak to that. I don't know. But I mean, that may be one reason that that Islam is growing so much in, you know, in, in the black community. I don't know if it is or not. But um, but I know that if we are going to be good news spreaders, then we've got to 
portray it in the right possible way, which which means, by the way, it means that as a European Gentile, it means that I'm getting grafted into another racist story. And and so are Africans yeah. for that matter. You know, we're yeah, all absolutely. we're all getting grafted into yeah. a Jewish story. And whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. that, that has racial <laughs> that has racial implications. It means that all of us are bowing our knees to a, a Jewish savior. I mean, that's that's the reality absolutely. of it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, 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 and you mentioned it, and, and I don't know if it's, it's, it's uh, Islam as much, but I know there are some um, other religions that are popping up on the scene, and, and they have a, uh, for lack of a good term, they have a, a pro-black foundation, and they're wrapping that in Christianity, but it's all about black identity, and because Christianity doesn't speak as much to uh, minorities or, or darker-skinned people, um, the younger generations identify with that because it gives them a sense of pride for being, um, you know, black Americans or African Americans. And then I get to wrap a little bit of Jesus in it. And so that, and so I think that's why a lot of them are gaining traction when we who have the truth about the true savior of the world have to be able to help them see themselves in the story of Jesus and help them see that yes, this Jewish, uh, guy came, uh, and, and, and it was in Nazareth, but he died for the sins of the world. And this is how you fit into that story. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this encouraging and I hope you'll subscribe and maybe give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. As always, I love you. God loves you. And I hope you have a wonderful day.